Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello out there, Seminole fans. Uh, good to see you, Michael. I know this is a podcast, but for those that don't know, we we usually film with our video screens on, you know, get a little bit more true reactions and see the body language. So good good to see you, Michael. Looking looking good. How has the summer been treating you? Summer's good. Um, it's it's fire season out here and, and we're not full of smoke. So that's that's a nice change this year. And uh, but I'm jonesing for some sports. This is kind of the dry time of the year. There's not, there's not much. I was watching corn fairy golf yesterday in the afternoon. That's about, that's, that's about where we're at. You love golf more than most. I, I enjoy watching it. I actually played a great course. If, if, if there are any folks listening to this who are uh, traveling in the Chattanooga, Northwest Georgia kind of area, had a, a great time playing a, a Macklemore course. It's a private course, but they do these member for a day things and, you're up above the clouds about 1800 2000 feet and and so there's don't go left cliff cliff falls off pretty <laughs> steep to the left uh so hope, hope uh, that fits your swing but yeah if you're watching corn fairy tour golf michael i feel like you're ready for you know maybe some college footballs around yeah. the season you tune into that right yeah i've been paying attention to football recruiting which is another sign of how far it's how yeah. far i'm down in the dumps right now yeah there was some good uh Florida State had some nice representation out at the track world championships. Uh that was it was fun to watch with uh what's his what's his name? Trey Cunningham, the hurdler. And so so there was some good good stuff there. Uh several world records by by US and other countries. But yeah, so football season is around the corner. Uh I think it's three weeks from yet. Today's the seventh, three weeks from yesterday. I feel I feel I think kind of nice go. I think we're going to make a bowl game this year. Um, I don't know if you feel that way or not, but I will say regardless of our success level, 
good, looking forward to a really good time going to New Orleans to wife and I are going to go and watch, watch FSU play LSU there right before Labor Day. So that that's going to be a blast. Any, uh, I I've been to New Orleans before. Have you, Mike, anything that you've done before that you would say, go, go check out. I have not been in years to New Orleans. It's a, it's, it's a wonderful place. I've got a family who, who works there, um, at a, uh, um, the, the Napoleon House restaurant, which so okay. you know, go there. And then I watched this. There's the the newest, um, uh, what do you call it? Um, Iron Chef. I, ca- I can't remember the name of the restaurant. I'll have, I'll have to look it up and put it in the comments. But the, the guy was uh, uh, owns a couple sandwich shops in New Orleans, and it looked pretty awesome. Please, please do put that in the comments. I'll, I would like, I love a good sandwich. Uh, and, and I, I'm sure that there's some listeners who, you know, there might be some others going to New Orleans as well. So uh, that's going to be a good time. Please put that in the comments. It, and it, anyone, any listeners out there too, if you come on to Tomahawk Nation and drop some New Orleans comments in the section, uh, in the comment section, I would I'd gladly take them and maybe we can uh, find a way to meet up at the tailgate if you're headed out there. Uh, Cause not, not you, Michael, but other folks listening, uh, so I would love to meet some people. Speaking of all of the just, I, I think it's a transition from college football talk in the sense that you have undoubtedly heard and read about all of the the conference, you know, UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten, which spurred a whole nother round of conference uh, expansion or restructuring talk, talks of people, you know, just, I don't know, teams, leagues just straight up breaking away from, from the NCAA. And do we form these couple of power conferences? I, I think that you and I are not under, we're not so delusional that we believe that basketball would ever drive those conversations. Basketball could certainly be impacted by those conversations and, and maybe with a school like Duke or Carolina, there might be some interest, you know, by, by another league because of basketball. As it comes to Florida State, would you have a conference that, whether it's basketball reasons, whether it's just general reasons, that you would prefer Florida State to be in? Do you, would you want us to stay in the ACC? Well, I do want us to stay in the ACC, but I also want football to break away and do their own thing. I, I, I think the the best solution would be you know, let college football become whatever it's going to become. Let all of the other sports maintain that sort of regional focus. I think there's a lot to be said for that, you know, especially a sport like basketball where, the, where they're traveling, playing two games a week, you know, minimum. It's, you know, you start having conferences that are set up all around the country and, and it's, you know, it's it's it makes it challenge, challenging for other sports in a way that it's not going to be challenging for football. But that said, that's probably not going to happen. Um, and so or at least not happen first. I I, yeah, I think yeah. that could happen eventually. Mm. We could college football is already different from what it was when forget when we were growing up. It was mm-hmm. different from what it was 15 years ago. And the sport's different. The hitting is much less physical. The, the games take way longer. Mm. I think we could get to a world where what you're talking about is happening. But I don't know that we're there yet. So let me ask you if if. If it's a world where all the sports have to be played together, we're going to subject and and you know the money, you know that the ACC is going to make way less money than some of the other leagues. Mm-hmm. Do you have a a pref a preferred conference? Yeah, we got to get out of the ACC and into you know the, from a basketball perspective, I would like it to be the SEC or the Big Ten. You know, both of those both of those conferences 
Um, you know, the Big Ten is is you know just got great basketball top to bottom, um, and uh, with you know some of the Big Twelve teams moving over to the SEC, the SEC is gonna you know they've got so much money now that that their basketball is really going to be catching up to what they've been claiming it has been for the past few years. You know, they're actually going to get there. Um, so if we want to be in the best basketball conference, as much as I hate to say it, that's probably going to be the SEC in the, in the, in the end. Um, and I certainly want to want to see us playing, you know, meaningful games every week. And so that's where I'd like to end up. Yeah. I agree with you about the S I mean, the SEC, the last two to three years has had a significant talent, coaching talent infusion, Mm -hmm. significant coaching talent infusion. I mean, even a guy like Dennis Gates going to Mizzou. I mean, that's that's a, that's uh, we're biased, obviously, but that's a step up. And you mm-hmm. you, you know, Mizzou already looks like they're on a better track. You see a kid like Gigi Jackson, top ranked recruit who was committed to UNC. Now, I don't think he went to South Carolina because UNC couldn't afford to pay him some nil money. I, I, there's more to it. He reclassified. UNC didn't quite have the room this year because of returning most folks because they have so much NIL money that they're able to get guys like Armando Big and Caleb Love to come back to school. Um, so, but when talents like Gigi Jackson, when talents uh, like uh, Jabari Smith at Auburn last year are going to the SEC, that they are taking significant strides forward. Uh, but I, is it weird that I think that the Big Ten could be the most – mutually beneficial from mm-hmm. the conference and and florida state's perspective that the big 10 would get out of it football games in florida if they let's say they took on florida state and miami that they would get their team wisconsin penn state michigan state they get to have fans make florida trips that they love doing already for bowl games and they get to have just even more of a presence recruitment wise they also have massive fan bases that watch TV, fill stadiums, travel well. Mm-hmm. I think you'd in Doak Campbell in the Tucker Center, you'd really enjoy having that kind of atmosphere. And quite honestly, while the Big Ten has never really, not never, the last 20 years have not been a consistent uh making these deep runs in March, Michigan has has done well, and of course mm-hmm. Izzo a few times, but I, I think they play a, a a brand of basketball that we would probably um, benefit. I mean, I think that would toughen us up if, if you're saying we're out of the ACC. I don't know. Thoughts on on that? I feel yeah, like that I think could it, be a pretty it, fun schedule. Yeah, it would be. And I think my, you know, my preference for the ACC is, or the SEC is more like a 1A and a, and a 1B. Like I, I would not be upset at all if we went to the Big Ten. I think, you know, Big Ten brings certainly some academic chops that that other conferences may not have and you know that that's important for the school and the the basketball you know like you mentioned is is top to bottom i don't know that i would get as much excitement watching florida state purdue play football even though purdue would probably yeah. be at this, at this point but it's just yeah. you know, or the, minnesota yeah, or northwestern indiana yeah, yeah. although yeah, minnesota is a great place to go watch a football game i i really don't want to go there again to watch i, I don't want to go there to watch florida state play that's that's fair and and baseball clearly would be a better home in the sec than baseball softball uh you know than the big 10 the the point you brought up originally i i have no idea what i I played an olympic sport in college track for those who haven't heard that before 
I have no idea how we would go have meets if 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 if, if suddenly the team was in the Big Ten or the Big Twelve. I, I don't know. We're, we're serious. We're not. I'll tell you what. We're not flying the four by one team to to East Lansing mm-hmm. on a weekend or on a Thursday for a meet. It, what you'd probably see with sports like that is they would still just continue to go play the the Florida and the FSU relays or the Florida mm-hmm. relays and, and pick and choose where they are going to be anyways. What, what do you do though with a volleyball? You know, what, what, what is the, the volleyball goes on a five day road swing to play mm-hmm. uh, Indiana, Purdue, Northwestern and Wisconsin. I, you know, like how, how's that? I just don't back to your original point. I don't know how you, you just need football to break away and do its mm-hmm. own thing. Right. Yeah, and these these conversations have to be happening, and and you know, but but we're not going to hear about them because nobody cares. It's you know, it's all everybody wants to figure out what's going on with football. But hopefully, you know, for all of those student athletes out there that aren't going to be generating a ton of nil, and and you know, all, you know, the, the track team, you know, that right. you mentioned, there's there's probably ten track people in the country who are making a lot of money on nil, right. and and, right. and the rest aren't going to make anything. You know, you, you got you got to have a system that that still works for them. Yeah, tell you what would be a fun. You, you know, you're right. Northwestern trip in in November maybe not ideal for a football mm. uh, team. But it, it, as weird as it is to say this, and then maybe we'll transition. Uh, how about a how about a Big Ten road game against UCLA in in October? <laughs> that 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 actually sounds pretty yeah, nice to, that does sound to good. go out to the Rose Bowl. Yeah. Uh, for, you know, for your October 12th uh-huh. uh, Saturday afternoon football. So, yes, yeah. could be there could be worse things. We'll just we just need to ask to be in the USC UCLA pod right. and, and yeah. not not the Rutgers Maryland pod. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, um, interesting to say the least. Uh, there's certainly going to be continued impact on on basketball and, and other sports. Uh, would love to hear thoughts in the comments from folks as as y'all see fit. Speaking of Florida State playing in the North right now, playing up in uh, pseudo Big Ten country, Florida State was able to, I think it was supposed to happen actually last year, got delayed because of uh, kind of that recycled COVID summer. But for the first time in several years, Florida State basketball is taking one of their international trips that you know that you can do every few years uh they've been to greece in the past and and so they're in canada right now they're they're playing basketball games against uh you know okay competition in in canada but nonetheless getting to practice getting to travel as a team getting to build that chemistry which is which is huge for a team that has so many new guys letting them you know get that those extra reps that right now you'd not be able to be with the coaches if you didn't, if you weren't on your international trip. Um, I don't know. It, all that, all that seems great other than maybe Michael uh, Matthew Cleveland be, being in a, in a boot. Uh, aside from that thoughts on the Canadian trip so far, I think they played one game. Yeah, they played one game and it was, you know, as expected as a blowout. We, we started a walk on. It was kind of weird. Um, and uh, you, we can talk about that game a little bit, a little bit, little bit more, and what what these games mean or, or don't mean. But it's it's great that they get to go to Canada, this team, because you've got all so many new faces that really need all this practice time to to, to kind of gel. And Canada's a you know fantastic place. America's hat is is lovely. I've been there several times, and 
you know, they everybody's super nice. It kind of freaks you out and the money is colorful. So it's fun to go like buy donuts at Tim Hortons and do all, <laughs> do all that kind of stuff. So the, you know, it's, it's a good place for, for the, for the team to go to. And, you know, it looks, you know, from their, we know what they're posting online that they're, you know, doing all the right things. They're spending lots of time together. They're sightseeing, you know, they're, 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 they're living it up as, as young college students and also getting to play a lot of basketball, which is, you know, it's a win-win on both sides. Yeah. I, I mean, I wish they could take these trips every year. It's one of those things that, you know, all the stuff that's changed in the NCAA, all the NIL and transfer wherever you want, whenever you want, don't worry about sitting out and everything. It's kind of like, really, we're still in a world where if, if, if college athletic programs led by, you know, lead the kind of leaders like Leonard Hamilton, the, the kind of people who are nobody. I mean, they, the way that he turns young, young men into, you know, grown men. Uh, and, and we can't, we can't have them have an experience where they go somewhere internationally and get a chance to see diversity and more cultures and build bond, you know, build chemistry with each other and do that every year. I don't, I don't understand why. Well, we've seen what year. we've seen what Rick Pitino and, and his players and strip clubs kind of all, all yeah. come together. So maybe they're, they're making the decision from that standpoint. Yeah. I, I, and I, you know, the time I've been to Canada was Windsor, which I, I probably can't say too much about those trips to Win, Windsor when I was mm. 20 on this pod, but Rick Patino maybe would have been <laughs> <laughs> enjoying yeah. those. So uh, yeah, touche, but um, yeah, no, the, I, I think they're great. And yeah, let's talk about it. So Cam Fletcher is back healthy mm. and he, he had a nice game in that one, the one box score that we saw. Uh, I think he was six for 10. Uh, which is great. Uh, Naheem McLeod is healthy. I think the whole team other than Cleveland is healthy. And, and I don't know that we know too much about Cleveland. It doesn't seem like it's a, uh, you know, season threatening kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's they're being cautious with a lower leg injury kind of thing. But um, something that stood out to me was Darren Green going three for seven from three, mm-hmm. which, which is exactly what Darren Green was brought in to do. Come in and go three for seven from three also added a couple of assists. That's nice. A couple of rebounds. Fantastic. Go three for seven from three. Yeah. He took 10 shots and seven of them were threes, which is great. Fletcher took 10 shots and three of them were threes. I think that's, that's totally right on for, you know, for both of those guys, Caleb Mills took 16 shots somehow and, ne- and never attempted a three, which, you know, the, the defensive guys, on this team probably you know are not prepared to handle somebody like caleb mills sure sure you know, he so, can get to where he wants yeah so i mean the the box scores on these things are interesting but it you know it's pretty clear that the coaches are you know they're trying to put them into some stressful situations you know they started three freshmen a walk-on and a, and a first year transfer um you know they didn't start any of the experienced guys so they're you know they're probably trying to get them you know, into these pressure situations whenever they can. It's not going to be that that easy on this trip because the teams are going to be overwhelmed. Um, but the so the so the box scores, I don't I don't really worry about them too much. Um, you know, the 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 Canadian team took like 25 free throws and we took four. You know, that's that's clearly something weird going on with with the way the game was refed or something. So you know the you you play a team you're supposed to blow out, you blew them out. That's great. Everybody played. That's great. We've got four guys who are sitting out, not ideal, um, you know, but for the nine scholarship players who are playing, um, you know, just getting the opportunity to, to, to go up against guys that you're not seeing every day in practice is 
is you know it, 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 you know it's great reps that you can't replicate yeah it it is it's tough that baba miller is not able to join this this is the kind of thing that you're like man if there it's it's already great that a team that has so many newcomers is is able to go on a trip like this together i know baba was supposed to play in the in the uh, the europe the what was it the the fiba euro championships or something like yeah. that um and then he also tweaked his ankle a bit. And and so I think it was one of those situations where maybe if he was already a professional, you kind of lace it up and say, Hey, uh, you know, NBA finals, I gotta, I gotta ride through this, but no, no sense in doing that. So he is, I think just taking, I don't want to say taking the summer off in terms of not doing anything, but he's not playing in the Euro uh, professionals, but he's also not coming to Florida state. I think until after this, uh, I think when the guys get back, he's going to be in Tallahassee uh, and enrolled. So kind of stinks that we can't get Baba some reps, but um, yeah, I don't know. Just a good experience. We we might be able to find some more information uh, through the interwebs w- about box scores and whatnot. And then maybe when the team gets back, see if, see if we could uh, track down through some different sources, mm-hmm. you know, a feeling from how things went. I, I'll, I'll agree with you that I you don't get caught up in the box scores. It's not like you're, you know, oh my God, but maybe you pull some trends. Um, we've, we scored 32 points on 17 turnovers that tell you say, how did, how did Caleb Mills take 16 shots and not a three? I'm wondering if there were quite a few layup line, uh, transition buckets where a guy like Fletcher, um, a guy like, uh, Justin Ganey, a guy like Caleb Mills is getting hands on, you know, ba- deflections and hands on basketballs leading to ridiculously easy buckets, which is my favorite kind of offense is, yeah. is defense leading to ridiculously easy buckets. So that is, um, that would be a trend I'd like to see across the whole trip is, is 25 plus points a night on, on turnovers. Yeah, and I would like to see who the who the guys are that are dominating on the on the class as well because they they should be able to beat these guys, you know. And if you look uh, at the box score, you know Mills and Corin both had seven rebounds, Ganey and McLeod both had eight rebounds. So you know, kind of gives you a, a little bit of an idea that they're you know s- s- you know something's working out on the on the on the rebounding side and and. Uh, you know, the, the right guys are getting them. So, you know, that was encouraging to see. Yeah. Well, uh, like I said, maybe we can find out a little bit more about this trip. Certainly is helpful as we look towards the season. And so we're, we'll take a quick break. But when we come back, we, we found out some news about the season that that we will dive into. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. All right, well, uh, we, we just sort of recapped, uh, if you missed the first half of it, Florida State men's basketball team is up in Canada playing teams that, you know, like Tenor and Gom played for for a few years. Uh, so the teams that he was on in Canada uh, before coming down here. And and now we're going to look forward to the actual, we found out the non-conference schedule for Florida State men's basketball team this year. 
we we had known, you know, we always going to play Florida. We knew already that we were playing Purdue yet again. Uh, seems like that seems to just be our our standard Big Ten opponent. So we're playing Purdue in the Big Ten uh, tournament. We're participating in a one of those preseason tournaments down in Orlando. But we we got full confirmation of what our non conference schedule will be, and it's it's a I think it's a nicely mixed schedule. Uh, it, it starts off. The very first game of the year is Stetson at home on the seventh, which is, I think, a nice a nice way to ease in. I, I would expect someone like Mills and Ganey, guys that have played a lot of basketball before, you know, to to overwhelm them in that game. But and then it ramps up. Uh, we're going to play Florida. We're going to play Purdue. We're going to play St. John's down in in the Sunrise uh, Center down down in that Orange Bowl Classic. We're going to play UCF in Orlando, and then we've got the ESPN Events Invitational, which has a nice. Uh, maybe we'll talk about more as a separate uh, in a few minutes here. But thoughts on just the overall schedule? I like it. I mean, we got we got eleven games. We're going to play probably six that are easily losable um you know so it's it's a nice mixture of of teams we should blow out and um uh you know to teams that are going to give us a challenge we've got that road game at ucf just right off the bat it's second game of the season um you know kind of like florida state football is going to play lsu in the second game of the season we're going to play ucf and 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 you know it's it's a good team and it'll be a a road atmosphere so that'll be an interesting game and then you know florida is always gonna gonna uh you know be on the schedule st john's could be sneaky good they've got two great players and purdue you know they've they've still got um you know zach Eady, who is the you know largest human being probably bigger than michael ojo rest in peace um but uh, you know uh, zach Eady. Uh, easily dominated florida state last year when when purdue won by like 30 so we're, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to you know figure that out so we've got six losable games five games we should blow blow them out uh we'll we'll, we'll see how that goes yeah and the six losable games I, I mean we're not gonna lose all six that just we we know florida state basketball well enough to know that guys like cleveland guys like mills guys like worley you know we're not we're not just not gonna lose all six I think that if we could win four, that puts us in good, you know, if we only won three, um, I feel like they would, we would need to want, well, first of all, one of those games would need to be away from home. So we would need that to be kind of a UCF or, or St. John's type of game, mm-hmm. because again, that goes back to the net. Like you just get a lot more credit for winning a, a game away from home than you do winning home games. Um, and, and then I would imagine that we would need to have sort of those, um, you know, check Mark wins against a big time program, like a Purdue, right? Like, I think if we only won three, it's like, well, Purdue probably needs to be one of them. And, and mm-hmm. maybe the St. John's and the, and the UCF game or, or do well, you know, win the invitational bracket. That would be maybe the other the other ideal path uh, to get to get those neutral site wins. Um, you know, let's maybe talk a second about Purdue. They you mentioned they still have Zach Eady, but they lost Jaden Ivy. They lost um, who was the other big guy? Was it um, Travion Williams? Yeah, they lost Travion Williams. They lost Travion Williams. Jaden Ivy is special. He was a top four pick, and Stevanovich, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And we play that game. When is that one? I think that one's uh, November. It's it's usually those are in like that 
first week of December. It's yeah, right 30th. after right after the tournament, after the uh, the Thanksgiving tournament. That's right. That's right. So, and and they're in a tournament as well. So you've got you know two teams that by then will have played several games against big time opponents. I, I kind of that's the one of those games that I feel like the Tuck Magic makes it work out. I, do you, do you agree? Like if you had to pick a winner right now, I feel like the Tuck Magic at home we win that game. Yeah, and I think their 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 tournament might be out on the West Coast, so they're going to be it traveling. Is. Yeah, they're going to be traveling a long way to get to Tallahassee, which is not the easiest place to get to from the West Coast. So that's that's good. Um, and certainly, you know, we've got Florida and Purdue at the Tuck, and if we can pull both those games, then then we're, we'll be looking good. The the over under on those six games is probably like three and a half. So if we win four of them, I think we're in good shape. Yeah. If we lose three of them, we're going to have some pretty serious work to do. And, 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 you know, that's probably, you know, one out of one more out of conference loss probably means you need two more in conference wins, you know, to kind of make up for that. And obviously it depends on who those losses are too, but, but yeah, if we can get through at nine and two, we'll be pretty golden go heading into uh, the conference season. I, I would agree. And, you know, strange as it is, because Purdue and Florida are both at home, uh, because we're 88 and eight at home in the last six seasons, right? <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, decent, sort of, kind of. Uh, I Is it weird that, you know, that, that second game of the year, you mentioned UCF, they, they, believe it or not, UCF is one of those eight on the 88 and eight home record. Um, they there's solid team and and mm. that's that's going to be a, a tricky environment it's the second game of the year for a team that has a lot of newcomers is that a game where you'd hope could darren green the ucf transfer maybe be the difference maker that would we're kind of setting it up for, for that that storyline i mean you've got the you've got the transfer going against his old teammates he's he should certainly help with the scouting report uh, UCF, as you mentioned, is good. They've got CJ Walker, who's been in college for like seven years and is a five-star uh, recruit. And then they've also got Ithiel Horton from Pitt, who's who was, um, you know, probably one of the few good Pitt players. And so, you know, so that gives them a, a, a one-two punch. And and you know, they're, they're always kind of an experienced team that that just gets guys into their system and and builds them up, and and they don't make a ton of mistakes. And and so yeah, so it'll be an interesting game. Yeah, and... it will. It's it's a I it's a I kind of wish it was game three, but yeah. it's a nice um it's a nice early season test that you know, win or lose, if you win it, great, great. You're you you know, hopefully beat Stetson, win that, beat Troy, and then you're going into UF hopefully at I think three and oh, and and we tend to play well against UF at home. Even forget this, you know, the lat the stretch that we've gone where we, we just played well at home against everybody. We tend to play well mm-hmm. against we beat UF at home when they had their national title teams. Um, that sets you up, I think, for some nice momentum early. If you lose the UCF game, though, I, I of course that's dis- it's a disappointment. It gives you some really nice film that you can go back and look at before your game against UF a week later. Uh, so maybe win or lose, there's not as long as you come back and and get it done against Florida and Purdue at home. Maybe it's not too damaging, but uh, let let's dig in then just really quickly. So we've got the tournament that is uh, the Thanksgiving tournament. It's after we play UCF and UF, so we've already got a couple of games under our belt. It's right before we play Purdue. Um, and the field is, I'm looking at the bracket right here. 
So the field as a whole is Florida State, Siena, Ole Miss, Stanford, Oklahoma, who's always sneaky good out of the Big 12. Big 12 in general doesn't produce a lot of bad teams. Nebraska, Memphis, and Seton Hall. Uh, also, you know, Big East, Northeast basketball, usually solid. If we were so we're matched up with Siena in the first round. Thank you, organizers, for that. I'd like to think we can get by Siena the next day. So that would be on Thursday, the 24th. We'd play the next day against the winner of Ole Miss Stanford. That, I mean, neither of those teams scare you, Michael? Not really. I mean, these, these the way this tournament is built, there's seven solid teams. You know, luckily we we match up with number eight in the first round. So they're clearly trying to get Florida State to the final. Because uh, it is, I mean, it is in Orlando. The, you know, money. You think is is possibly money have anything to do with that decision, Michael? Might might have a, a little bit to do with it. You never know. Um, we don't want to speculate. Then we've got uh, Ole Miss, Stanford, Oklahoma, Nebraska, Memphis, Seton Hall. All those teams are going to be okay. You know, they're they're going to be solid in their conference. None of them are going to be world beaters. And I think you can probably say the same thing about Florida State. So we may be. Um, you know, slightly favored against pretty much all of them, um, you know, so, but it'll come down to, can you win that game on that Friday? So you beat Sienna and then you got to win the Friday game so that you're in the final and, and, and anything less than the final would be, you know, pretty, pretty di- disappointing, you know, tournament, especially when, when you're going to have a lot of home fans there. I, I think you nailed it. I, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that if we don't win the tournament, that's it, you know, close up shop on the season. Mm-hmm. It's going to be disappointing if we make the final and if we don't make the final. And let me let me hit you with this, too. Um, So we play at 11 a.m. on Thursday, the 24th. They've got to get four games in that day. And so um, we're the first Ole Miss and Stanford plays at 130 p.m. on Thursday, the 24th. The, The if. If Florida State wins the next day, the game against that winner is going to be 11 a.m. on the 25th. So the team, you know, the Ole Miss or Stanford winner is going to be finishing up, let's call it three o'clock by the time they get off the court or uh, excuse me, four o'clock, two thirty, three thirty, four o'clock. They got to get ready to play another basketball game by 11 a.m. the next mm-hmm. morning. And, and by the way, if it's Stanford, that's 8 a.m for their players times. Uh, So I don't know. I'm rooting for Stanford over Ole Miss in game number two. And, and I, I, I really would be, I think disappointed assuming that we have decent health. If Florida state can't get by Stanford in Orlando at 11 AM Eastern time, uh, the day after Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then the other side of the bracket, that second game, they, they tip eight and a half hours later. So it's like they they play a late night game and then have to turn around on Sunday to play a, you know, a, a 1 p.m. tip or whatever. That's right. They've got the loser yeah. going at five and the winner at 730. Yeah. So so, yeah, if we want it, let's say we won that game against hypothetically Stanford and let's say uh, Memphis comes out of the southern, the, the bottom side of the bracket. Memphis finishes at 10 at 10 o'clock p.m. and has to get ready for mm-hmm. a 130 tip. Yeah, when when, Florida, when Florida State's already had their nap and and is ready to roll, yeah. So this the schedule looks like it was kind of set up by Stan, you know, to, to yeah. for this for this tournament. So I will say that final is a it's Sunday, not Saturday, because of all the college football games on oh, uh, Saturday. I, my bad. But yeah. nonetheless, you're still talking thirty hours rest after you just played a game two like two days back to back. Um, 
By the way, for all for all the FSU fans out there, that game, the Friday the 25th game, is the same day as FSU versus UF. Um, and so I understand that there might be fewer fans down at that game, uh, but but it's early in the morning. So if you know if you live in the Orlando area and don't have plans to come to Duke, you know, go ahead and put that on your calendar. Go out and check out Florida State uh, at basketball Friday Friday morning, the day after Thanksgiving, and then get comfy on the couch for Florida State versus UF football later in the day. Uh, and then, of course, you know, take Saturday off and come back Sunday and cheer on the Knolls in the final. So I, I don't know, Mike. I feel like I'm ready to go on rec- record right now and say Florida State wins that damn thing. But absolutely, uh, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll see. All right, last last maybe item of business here. So that good talk about this coming year. I'm excited. It, believe it or not, those no, that November seventh kickoff uh, or tip off that is just three months. Today's August seventh, so that is going to be here before we know it. Uh, I'm I'm already getting pumped. Let's go ahead and look ahead one more year. Ever the you know always look into the future when it comes to college sports and the recruitment pipeline. There. While this year's roster is set, we did in the between the time when we last potted and this time grabbed a hell of a recruit by the name of Taylor Bowen, a a, a long six nine, I believe his wingspan is closer to seven two. Uh, power forward is is you know maybe what's labeled what he's labeled at defensively. He can guard a lot of positions. And he's probably the best player in the entire Northeast. He's at Brewster Academy up in New Hampshire. You know, probably one of the best players in the Northeast. He's he's a, a top 30 type of player overall. You're excited, right? Well, I know that you're excited about him. And so since we're on a pod, I should probably take the opposite position and say he's all, yeah, he's okay. But no, he this guy is, is going to be, uh, he looks like a Florida State player. You know, I mean, he's, he's, six nine super long offensively maybe not as developed as a lot of other prospects but he could legitimately this isn't just this height but he could legitimately be the best um defensive prospect in, in the entire class i mean he's, he's he is uh you know just totally dominant at at his level um you know and they, they, they play some pretty good games and offensively he he does enough, you know, he can get out and run. He can, he can lead the break. He can, he can jump. He can, you know, it's, it's, he does a lot of stuff. He just doesn't have, you know, that, that half court game that, that, you know, needs to be developed in order to turn him into an NBA prospect. He, he is going to play in the NBA. I'll yeah. tell you that right now. I I don't know that we'll see him in Tallahassee for longer than a year. Does he have areas of his game where he needs to work on? Absolutely almost every college player, every guy who comes into college basketball has areas of his game where he needs to work. And, and, you know, he's not a top, he is not a top three or four prospect. So there, there are some things holding him back right now from being just an an utterly unstoppable player. But, you know, when you start talking about people who fit a system and we we've said for a while that, you know, it's, sometimes it's weird that we continue to recruit some of these centers that can't get out and guard on the perimeter, but with the system we're trying to run and for the system, we're trying to run, you know, a a switching versatile defense where guys really don't have a position, except maybe if you're the rim protector Uh, and then, and then an offense that thrives in transition that 
thrives in getting guys into corners to to space the court so that then slashers can can get to and finish uh, at and above the rim. I don't know that there is a lot of players in this class or any class that fit our system better than Taylor Bowen. Yeah. If you look, I, I think that, that um, uh, Scott drew, you know, Baylor kind of does the best job of recruiting for Florida state players. Like he, he is, he just, he just nails it. And you know, they, they have these guys in the middle, they had Thamba this year and, and uh you know, they, they've had, you know, some other players in the, in the, in the, in the past, um, who's the guy on their, their national championship team, um, uh, uh, Jonathan Chetua or however you pronounce yes, his last name, yes. you know, these, these, these guys who are just able to dominate in the middle and they're only like six, nine. And so, you know, Taylor Bowen fits that role. If he, if he's able to gain, you know, 25 pounds or something, you know, then, then he can be that that really switchable dude who can guard one through five. And, and he, 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 he has just the natural inclination to, you know, he's jumping at the right times and he's, and he's, and he's, and he's long and he's able to, to make plays from behind. Like we, like, like we saw with, uh, uh you know, but Butler at, at Florida state, you know, he's able to recover and just his length is just, you know, it's crazy. So, you know, he has the, the potential to, to, keep filling these gaps that ham is trying to fill with six, nine, six, 10 guys. And, and, you know, we'll see if that is a, a long-term thing or if he tenders to go after guys who are like seven foot four, but, but uh, you know, it's a totally uh, uh, intriguing prospect and, you know, probably the most intriguing guy from my perspective that we since John Isaac. Well, and so you always got me speechless here. I, I, you're spot on with, with his with the intrigue with him I, he needs to he needs to develop a, a more consistent jump shot but i'll say this his i've, I've looked at some of his film I, I hate to look at their highlights um i mean don't get me wrong i like watching highlights i like to instead actually you can find especially when guys are in places like brewster you can just go find games that you can just you know watch a little bit of and um his form at free throws and and just when he's not guarded i guess is already better than a scotty barnes in terms of of i'm sure that we're gonna have to break down some of the mechanics but it's already better than someone who would be considered a non-shooter in college so um you talk about intrigue let me hit you with this is he sort of a cross i i see a cross between scotty barnes and terrence mann he he has scotty barnes was I would say a true point forward. He he was a you know six eight six nine with with much longer length and truly had the ability to run the offense. I don't know that Taylor Bowen. Ha- I have not seen him have the ability to run the offense. What I have seen him have the ability to do is block the shot because he does have a seven two wingspan, block the shot or and or get a rebound and start the break himself. He, he can start the break. He can take it coast to coast and finish the break. And he has enough of that sort of Terrence Mann basketball IQ to where he he can make a he can play make for others when needed. And and defensively, he's just bigger than Terrence Mann. I mean, he he's 195 pounds now. I imagine he'll be closer to 205 when he comes in. You know, Terrence was 6'5, 185, maybe when he came in, 6'6-ish. 
it, it seems like you've taken the guy with Terrence Mann's skills, okay shooter, not great, could develop in time as a shooter, but put him in Scotty Barnes's body. Yeah, I, th- I think the the comparison is right on. Uh, you know the way that you're describing it. I think the one big difference is that you know Scotty came to Florida State to be a point guard, and because he needed to to demonstrate that skill to you know to become a top draft pick, and so we were pigeonholing him into a, a specific role, um, and then COVID kind of screwed the whole thing up and and whatever. Uh, but with Bowen, like his skill set is more like there's a bunch of a bunch of smaller holes in his game that he needs to fill in order to be an NBA player and so just the 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 fit I think is going to be a little more natural than with Scotty and he's I he's not going to put up the numbers that Scotty put up it's just you know that's well he's not a top four yeah yeah, he's not a top five prospect right but he could turn into like uh what's his name from from Baylor Jeremy Sochan who was he what could. the 10th pick in the draft or something. He could, and, he, he yeah. could turn into a, a slightly more advanced at this age, Chris Singleton, mm-hmm. yeah. right. Who, who has the same six, nine size, same kind of defensive instincts. Yeah. It took Chris Singleton three years to actually kind of learn how to, I don't know, mm-hmm. shoot a little, like make an impact on offense. I, I think that Taylor Bowen is, well, honestly, if you want my, the truth of it is I think that basketball has evolved so much mm. from when Chris Singleton was a player that at the time Chris Singleton was a freak of nature. And now six, nine guys in high school are just expected to play more positions than that. Um, and so I don't know that it, that it, he's more advanced. It's that just basketball has, is more advanced. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't, we're not going to ask him to play the Scotty Barnes role. And that's mm. a good thing. I think that if Scotty was a true in the NBA, he's a real point forward. I think what Taylor Bowen might be is a forward who has some playmaking abilities. Mm. He's a forward point, maybe, as opposed to a poor yeah. point forward. And that actually might make him more impactful in our system to be able to to like just blend into the system in a way sort of like Patrick Williams did, where he just blended in more into the system his his first year. Yeah, I mean, you need you need five guys who can get out and run, and you need five guys who can switch things on defense, and and you know this is very clearly a guy who fits that system, you know exactly. And you know the, the Singleton comparison's good, but when Singleton was here, we were scoring like fifty five points on offense, and it was it was a little tough for him to show out, you know, uh, yeah, offensively. It, it, Singleton would be way different in in today's yeah. Florida State uh-huh. and today's yeah. basketball. Yeah. So yeah, I'm excited about him. I'd love to see some more names like visiting campus to join him. Um, but you know, the, it's been a little bit quiet on the, on the recruiting front. Uh, it's certainly a, 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 a great piece to build around. And we also, you know, we, we don't understand at this point, like how many scholarships there are going to be available. So I think that they certainly have the ability to be a little more choosy uh, yeah. this year than, yeah. than they were last year. It's not going to be a seven man class, seven or eight man. I mean, cause let's see. Uh, cause in theory, in theory, Caleb Mills could come back. Uh, Fletcher could like, he has eligibility to come back. Worley, Cleveland, uh, all the Darren Green doesn't he have the ability to come back? Uh, Ganey has the ability to come back. Um, maybe I mean they're they're petitioning yeah. to, to to get him. They're, back. they're petitioning that. So yeah. you know, in theory, like the only people who can't come back are I think McLeod, 
mm-hmm. and uh and possibly Ganey, right? If depending on how the petition goes. Yeah, uh, Ganey, yeah, because he he uh he only played nine games as a freshman and then you know they they didn't yeah they they didn't do the whole COVID thing in the Ivy League. That's right. They just uh, didn't play basketball. Yeah. And so, you know, who knows what's go what's going on there. Um, and then Darren Green, um, he has this is his fourth year. Right. Uh, so I mean, technically you're allowed he to has play a COVID five. year. Yeah. yeah so, so in theory, mm-hmm. he could come back. Mm-hmm. I, I know McLeod, I don't think can, and and Baba won't. Like Bob is yeah. Mm-hmm. Bob's going to go professional. What even if he went back to Europe, he'll go professional. So, you know, you know, uh, who knows? And and of course, there's always a transfer possibility here and there. But um, so let's say we have four spots, three spots. You know, like you said, going to be more choosy. Uh, we had we we were hoping to get that commitment from the Mateus Bizalis. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not exactly unpredict or not surprisingly, he went to the he turned professional uh, and went to the G League or whatever it is. So. You know that's going to keep happening. He was a top ten recruit. That's going to keep happening. For for folks that are in the Tallahassee area, there's a kid, Chris Parker, who looks like a Florida State player, six six, small forward, top seventy five guy, long, bouncy. You know, looks like a Florida State player. Uh, he's over at he's over at Quincy in Gadsden County. So if if folks want to go, I mean, we we are definitely recruiting him. If folks want to go check him out, wear some FSU gear, uh, that's a guy to keep an eye on. And then you've got John Butler's younger brother, Jordan, who we it's it appears like he is going to take an official vi- I mean he's been on our campus a number of times with his brother uh I don't feel like we're necessarily in the top two though right now but it seems like an Auburn commit to me but other than that like you said sort of sort of had a lot of offers out but a lot of coals in the fire but not a lot mm-hmm. of flames if you if you will yeah exactly Chris Parker would be great he's you know anytime you got a local kid who is a top 100 solid recruit you want to you want to land them but you know who knows yeah I, I mean if you told me that we grabbed taylor bowen and chris parker and let's say we had one more open ship man i'd say hold that for the best transfer that you can get coming next year because you know get taylor bowen chris parker grab a transfer and let's mm-hmm. i mean that would be yeah. a really nice class that'd be a really nice class to fill out around Corin and Chandler Jackson and Tom House and you know maybe maybe Worley stays or something that would, that would be heck heck of a lineup. So, all right, well it's been uh, it's been good catching up. Maybe maybe a commit will come out of the blue or or maybe we'll we'll hop back on after the Canada trip and when uh, we get a little word back from how things are going. But I, I feel like now that we're three months out, you can start to expect to hear from us at least once a month. Uh, any, anything else? Any, any corn fairy news we need to know about, Michael? Well, we get we got our guy uh, Vincent Norman, who is right on the cusp of making it to the PGA Tour. So, we'll we'll know in a week. FSU if alum Vincent Norman for those that don't Just, actually yeah, watch like a, the yeah. Corn Ferry Tour on on <laughs> Friday afternoons. <laughs> yeah, my I, my wife said, "How come I haven't heard of any of these golfers?" I'm like, "Well, this is kind of like the minor leagues of golf." Yeah, she said, "You're watching minor league golf." <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Well, yeah. uh, yeah. Well, good good to chat, and we will. Uh, hopefully we'll be back with some, with some more fun, fun topics and good news soon, uh, for Michael, I'm Matt Gonolz.